Hey guys, and welcome back to another podcast. In today's episode, we will be talking about a few developing nations, which we have been following since the beginning of the semester for our developmental economics class. So let's get started with introductions. My name is Trisha, and I'm currently a junior majoring in accounting and minoring in economics. Hey, my name is Dan Smith. I'm a senior studying finance along with two minors in accounting and economics. Hello, my name is Caitlin Matropsky. I'm a junior and I'm a communications major with a minor in sports management here at Stack. Hello, my name is Dylan Schneider. I'm a criminal justice major and I'll be graduating next year. All right, so let's get started. Dan, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your country? Sure thing, Trisha. I've been researching South Africa. Believe it or not, it's located in the southern tip of the African continent. According to World Atlas, its government operates as a representative democratic republic. What does that mean, Dan? It means that the population elects individuals to represent their interests. South Africa is led by the president, who is the head of both the state and the government. According to its constitution, the government of South Africa is divided into three branches, executive, legislative, and judicial, similar to the United States. The article takes a closer look to each one. Is anything currently going on with South Africa's government or economy? One of the major things that's taking place over the last several months was the state of disaster declared by the government back in February. According to Bloomberg, this was declared to help the country with its load shedding problem, which is voluntary blackouts to help the energy companies stabilize the country's demand for electricity due to the outdated grid that's in place. According to African Business, the government wanted to utilize a state of disaster to improve regulations to mitigate the impact of the severe load shedding. However, the state of disaster was determined to be authoritarian and not effective, so it was repealed on April 6th. This was considered a win for South Africans as it may lead to improvements of the current grid and more independent energy producers. Wow, that's so interesting, Dan. Is there anything going on with their central bank? Yes, there is. According to Reuters, the central bank did their ninth rate hike since November of 2021 back in March. Economists were expecting it to be a 25 basis point hike, but it ended up being 50 basis points. Because of this, this caused the South African RAND to strengthen against the U.S. dollar by about 2%. Along with this, February consumer inflation in South Africa edged up to 7% year-on-year from 6.9% in January. This is signaling that rolling power cuts nationwide may be stoking price pressures. The central bank's target inflation rate in South Africa is between 3 and 6%. Also, the five-member Monetary Policy Committee will split 3 to 2 in this decision, with three members preferring a 50 basis point increase, while two wanted a 25 basis point rate increase. That's really cool to hear about, Dan. Thanks, Dylan. Trisha. Why don't you tell us a bit about your country next? Sure. So my country is Madagascar, which is an island located off the southern coast of Africa, has a republic government with a semi-presidential system. A semi-presidential system is pretty much when a president and a prime minister exist alongside each other. Even though Madagascar doesn't have an official religion, according to Britannica, over 85% of the population is Christian. Trisha, care to tell us a bit more about Madagascar's climate? Has there been any abnormal weather? Madagascar has a tropical climate, and last month they were hit not once but twice by Cyclone Freddy when it made an unusual trajectory back to the island. This storm caused a tremendous amount of damage on the island. It destroyed many homes, roads, and a large amount of crops, leaving a large portion of the country going hungry. 
And to make matters worse, the country lacks the proper tools to rebuild itself, which makes a comeback even more difficult. Caitlin, I know Zimbabwe faces many struggles as well. Care to tell our listeners about it? Yes, Trisha. So throughout the history of the country, on average, around 72% of Zimbabweans live under the national poverty line, making it the 22nd poorest country in the world. Currently, Zimbabwe is trying to find a way to stimulate their agricultural industry since that's Zimbabweans' main source of income. According to the World Bank, nearly 66% of Zimbabweans rely on their small farms for survival. However, great inequality in water access exists between the country's many small farms and few large commercial farms. What do you think would help better the situation, Caitlin? Equality in water access would increase productivity and income for small farmers, and a revitalization of the agricultural sector would spur economic growth and alleviate poverty in Zimbabwe. This would be huge for their future. Overall, what does Zimbabwe want to achieve in the future? Zimbabwe has an ambitious vision by becoming an upper-middle country by 2030. This will require significant acceleration of productivity growth and focus on ensuring the creation of quality jobs. Enhancing productivity of the informal sector and its linkages with the formal sector and by supporting formalization by encouraging the transition of informal firms to the formal sector and the establishment of new formal firms are key pathways to make this happen. Dylan, tell us about your country. The country I've been following is Iran. Iran is located at the crossroads of Central Asia, South Asia, and the Arab states of the Middle East. Iran is a unitary Islamic republic with one legislative house. The main religions are Islam, Christianity, Judaism, and Zoroastrianism. What is Iran's economy like, Dylan? Iran's economy is characterized by hydrocarbon, agricultural, and service sectors, as well as noticeable state presence in the manufacturing and financial services. Also, Iran ranks second in the world for natural gas reserves and fourth for proven crude oil reserves. Iran's economic outcome still remains unknown because of the droughts that have affected the agricultural and due to the crude oil prices. Wow, Dylan, that's really interesting. I've also heard that there is something involving drones regarding Iran. Care to elaborate? The New York Times talks about how Iran is delivering drones to Russia to help them with the Russian-Ukraine war, which the U.S. got involved because all the technology inside of them are from the U.S., and the U.S. are given Ukraine permission to shoot them out of the sky. Wow, that's really interesting. I agree with Caitlin. I think what everyone said was interesting and also helped inform our listeners about different parts of the world. Would anyone else care to add anything before we close out? No, I'm good to go. Yeah, all set. I'm good. Alrighty then. Thank you for listening to another podcast episode, and don't forget to listen to the others. Thanks again, and see you next time. Bye.